Afternoon. Good evening. Good What's night. Happening? Right, oh, it's still too early. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's Muggs, baby. Yo, Soul Assassins taking over Wanep. DJ Muggs is here. What's cracking, Muggs? Soul Assassins, baby. What's happening, Rosenberg? Soul uh, Assassins Three, Death Valley. That's right. Oh, oh, oh! You're the movie. Oh, plus yeah, plus a movie, a Death Valley movie. Yeah, Death Valley is the movie with the with the soundtrack with the score that came along with it that came out first. First of all, I I got a lot. I got a lot. Yeah. First of all, Soul Assassins. Top three hip hop name ever. I mean, when I first heard that term, I was like, that is the, one of the dopest names. You know, with hip hop, everything got a, a name. You know what I mean? Soul Assassins always was like, that's one of who the came, Who came up with Soul Assassins? Names. I did. That was you from yeah. Jump? Yeah, from Jump. Nin- 1992, man. 92. 92. Yeah, I had a crew. I had a bunch of, you know, like I had a couple rappers in the crew, but I had a bunch of homies that was on the streets that was doing cars, that was doing graffiti, that was doing art, that was doing tattoos, that was taking photos. That was making videos. And one time I had hooked these, I hooked this photographer up and I gave him a career and I hooked the video dude up, his first video. Yeah. I gave him a career. Yeah. And I asked him for a favor and they's like 35,000, 75,000. I was yeah. like, fuck y'all motherfuckers. Wow. Homie, take the pictures from now on. Homie, shoot yeah. the videos from now on. And I realized at that point, well, this is build our own economy with our friends. Right. And it's like, you got a dream, you got ambitions, you got goals. Well, let's pool our resources and bring right. each other up and look out for each other. And that's when the crew started. So DJ Muggs, let's see what I can remember. Originally from Queens. That's right. Moved out to LA because of 783? No, nah, I moved out to live with my mother. I moved okay. from, from, from Jackson Heights to a place called Bell Gardens, which is Southeast LA. Mm. What age? I was 12. But the Queens is still there? Yeah, I be in Queens all the time. All the time, All my okay. family's there. My mom got so, eight brothers and sisters, so I got 30 cousins over right. there still. And then, so you go to LA. It's crazy. You're in a rap group. 783. And whatever, it puts out an album, whatever it does, and then Cypress Hill. Right. So you, you, you by the way, Hill. you produced the whole seven eight three album? No, I didn't produce none of it actually. I you produced were... the first remix. I was the DJ, I had all the ideas. Right. You know, I was eighteen and it was a hundred fifty thousand dollar record budget, and it wasn't gonna give it to an eighteen year old kid who didn't produce nothing. So right. Joe the Butcher who mixed all the schoolie D records and shit mm. from Philly, he produced the whole record. And not okay. wow. man, I got an eight year college education in a month in Philly with Joe the Butcher. So so Joe the Butcher is affiliated with was affiliated with Rough House. Yeah, he owned Rough House. So he owned, he Rough, owned House. Rough House. So that's how Cypress got onto Rough House. See, that's, that's we didn't even ask a question yet. We already got. No, Jeffers. but you know what? Thank we you. We didn't even ask a question yet. Mugs, thank you. This was great. We already accomplished what we needed to. <laughs> I was to. like Joe. I got this other group. It was before seven eight three. I was down with Cypress, right? So I would send him my demos, and he was like, "All right, cool." He was down with Cypress before seven eight three. Yeah, we just wow. didn't, we wasn't in the music business. That was just the hood. So oh right, 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 right. So I would send Joe the demos. He's like, "Keep working." Keep working. Yeah. Keep working. Then one day I did the song Real Estate and I sent him, he was like, yo, what's that? Real Estate, really? That was the one that caught his attention. First demo that we made that sounded like a record. Right. All the other ones was kind of garbage. Gar- garbage. Yeah. Like, so Real Estate, and that's, that's the first joint that actually ended up making the album? 
No, that was the first one that that like us, like amongst the, our crew, was like, "Yo, that sounds like a record." So that gave it that gave us that spark. You know what I'm saying? Right. We kept working, but I think destroy here, real estate killer man, light another. Um, those were the, that was a demo. Those three songs and a song wow. called Caliente, a Spanish one that never made the record. Uh, ignorant question, mug. Sorry. Uh, what, what's your background? What's your ethnic background? Italian. You're Italian. Yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't really know that. I'm gonna. I'm assuming you're a Jets fan. Man, I'm a Raider fan and a okay. Met fan. Yeah. Because my, okay. my grandmother grew up right by Shea, Shea Stadium in right. Flushing. My mother's from Naples, Naples, Italy. That's yeah. I, I, yeah. I listen. I, uh, I admit it. Know, that's just, real Italian. So, so okay. So real. I just want to listen. You didn't know, a did you, things. Emilio? You didn't know Bugs Italian, did you? Okay. <laughs> Tony. So we got just to just to run through a couple things, then we'll go into a little detail. You got Cypress Hill. You got. House of Pain, Funk Dubious, uh, Psycho Realm, uh, Ooh, good, good, good call, uh, The Hooligans, which Hooligans. is Alchemist and fucking Scott Con. Scott Con, Scott Con yes, sure. Um, good memory, site. What else? Is there any other thing I'm missing? Soul Assassin albums, of course. Soul Assassin Radio. Where like, uh, where like you had the Illa song with RZA, like, because you and RZA, you must have came from the same planet somewhere with the type of beats early on. The first Cypress Hill album means so much to me, bro. It's the first record my mom bought me as a Christmas gift. She bought me the actual vinyl. That album to this day, man. All the other albums, no matter how big Cypress Hill has gotten and, and fire music and all the tours you did and all the fucking Lollapaloozas and whatever you did. Everything. That first album, though, man, is my shit. Mm. Uh, Stoned is the way of the walk. Uh, Latin lingo. Uh, funky, funky, feel one, funky, funky feel. feel one instrumental. Sometimes I play the instrumental and just play the because you had the James Brown bass line first. Yeah, I love this because it was on the twelve inch. It was the A side. It was the A side. The B side. Killer Man's the B side. You know what they said? How I could just Killer Man was the B side. B side wins again every motherfucking time in the nineties. Yup. The label was trying to get that lick and get that money and get that hit, but it wasn't happening. It was the B side. And by the way, and by the way, for my for my money. When the shit goes down is the winner too on Insane in the Brain and Absolutely. when the shit goes down. So now you do. I, the, I didn't know this story about you. I didn't know that the, this was that your mom bought it for oh no, you. And it has I nothing to do. I don't has nothing to do with it being like Latinos or anything like that. Like it's just the, one of the greatest hip hop albums ever made. What year did it come out? 91. 91. 90, July 91. 91, bro. And that killer man with the video, which everybody was confused. Cause there's a Cypress Hill in New York. Absolutely. You shot the video in New York. Everybody's like, where are they from? There's the Cypress Hills in the Bronx. Yeah. The Cypress Hill projects. There's the Cypress Hills like on the border of Queens and Brooklyn. Yep. You wanna know the ill shit? I was on tour with Naughty by Nature, following yep. their bus around with a van. We was on tour. We had just did um BET Rap City, I think it was in Washington, DC. DC at the time, yeah. We had two days off on tour. That two days, we shot Killer Man. And um, hand on the pump. We mm. shot Killer Man. Just oh, hand on us, the pump. Us three with the cameraman and and and, uh, and who the, was the cameraman? It, the, the, it was it was Shady, Shady who did Killer Man. I met that guy. He does Shady like sound Perez. now. Shady Perez did a bunch of videos back then. He did um, so we did Killer Man. It was me saying be real him and the playback. We drove up to Washington Heights. We did it at Astro Astro Square with yep. Dog Q. Yep. Every Q Tip. Everybody showed up. Then the next day we worked. We did um. Um, Red Hook, we did Hand on the Pump and Red Hook on the, open, on, the on, the, on the piers, and that was that was what we did in the weekend. So you saw us the videos in New York, the Cypresses in New York. I'm, yeah. I'm from here, like the beats 
sound like they're from New York, but the whole the slang and the dress, the, the energy the yeah. from West Coast, yeah, like such an ill combo. Yeah, hand on the pump is fire. Hand on the Glock is fire. Latin lingo remix. There's so much, bro. You got so much shit. Well, and by the way, I mean, you can argue Pigs is fire, by the way. And you can argue that Black Sunday is just as good as the first album. Well, just the way Black Sunday starts. That's, um, (laughs) you know, do you realize that this record? All I wanted was a Pepsi. Do you realize that this record, I didn't smoke weed until I was 25 years old. I never smoked a joint. You had to go back. And to this day, I'm not even a, a big weed head. I get paranoid. I smoke occasionally. But this song, I didn't even need to know anything about yeah. what weed actually felt like yeah. to know that musically, weed felt like this. It's like we got motherfuckers high without getting them high. Yeah, you didn't have to smoke to get high I, to this. I never smoked, and I was definitely high listening to Cypress. I want to get and then, okay, just to nerd out just a little bit, because I remember there was a, there was a, maybe it was the source. I don't remember what magazine, but you had an article in there, and you were talking about like four tracks and whatever equipment you used. And I meant I, I used to cut, I cut that article out, and I was like, I gotta get these things. Yeah. yeah. What was what were you using on the first album? We we had the SB twelve hundred, which didn't have a lot of sampling time, right? So we had a Tascam four track, which yeah. was the cassette four track. So I'd lay the beat down on track A, then I'd get with the vocals on track B, the second track, then the third track. I'd lay um all the little sounds for the rest yeah. of the sounds for the beat. Then the fourth track, I laid the overdubs of the vocals, and we bounced it all down. This is there. for the demo, this or is this is how you made the album? At the crib. So at oh, yeah. the crib, we'd right. be like, "Okay, this song's dope. Let's record this in the studio." Right, right, right. If it right, wasn't right. a dope demo, we wouldn't take it into right. The studio. So you made it at home first. Yeah, yeah. Boom. So the first Cypress album was SP twelve. SP twelve. Every the whole album. The whole album. So is so is the second. No album. way. The whole. Bo- I both, can't. Both. No. no Why way. do you not believe this? I've explained. But sometimes check it. I would, when I would make the beat, I would lay the because you only had ten seconds of sampling time. Right? Yeah. So I would lay the beat down on track A. Then I'd get the next sounds on another disc for the SP, and I'd lay those on track two on right. the four track. Then I'd get another disc, yep. and lay the sounds on track three. Then when I went in the studio, I had the song worked out with all the sounds. I can't believe you made that album on an SP. Why, why, Sife? Because it's too it complicated? Was, it, was, it was That record took three years. Our first album was three years in the studio. Sheesh. Like, that was our whole life. Up yeah, to that yeah, point, yeah, 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 yeah. Whenever we got time to get in the studio and shit, we got in, but it wasn't like going and work. We didn't have right. to, We were just trying to get in. But Sife, explain to the, to the layman why okay. it's surprising. I, I don't know. My ears just trained for this kind of stuff. So, so SP12 people are, let's say, Large Professor, definitely Pete Rock. Pete Rock's heavy... SP 1200. Then you got DJ Premier's an MPC guy, RZA ASR 10. The type of style, the beats that you were making doesn't sound like that typical SP 12 sound. That's yeah. how talented you were to like find all these different little sounds. Shit, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. No, I was they, just awkward and just doing my version of how does this shit work? Yeah. Well, where, where was there? Uh, what, what genre? The, 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 real quick, I just said one thing. The bridge of how I can just, just kill a man, man is not truncated all the way properly. So it's like, brent, 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 it was brent, good as weed. There was a lot brent, of shit not truncated. Brent, brent, brent. It's so fire, but it's like microseconds off. And I wonder 
would it have been as good if it wasn't off? Because that's what made it the flavor. You know what I'm saying? And then you those can are those, tell those are those intangibles that make great shit great. Right? Oh, I want to play the bridge. It's not technical, but that beat was actually another beat for another song I never made, and I used it because it wasn't a dope song. This, yeah. but a part of this is the song that much. And then another change. When you come into this verse, it's different yeah, too. Yeah, it's different. When the drums come in right here too. Drums back. No, then it goes to the carnival yep. music. It's gonna be a long time before I finish one of the men. Shit, yeah, you fucking, you're out of your mind. This guy's a psycho. I just like back in them, you know, songs, like songwriting, they had bridges in songs. Right. And hooks. And, and, and these sections. So yeah. I always put bridges in Yeah, a lot of hip hop, when they first started making hip hop that we love, it was just verse, hook, verse, hook, verse, hook. You made a lot of different little Wu-Tang too because there was so many people he had to like put some changes in it but you made it for like this group that was just two guys rhyming and you put all it was like the beat was a part of the group the production was part of the group not just a beat maker that's a good point you got a bridge it took you away it was like a whole nother hook it took you away for a second yeah it comes back and when uh, it comes back it's banging again yeah I it's great it's 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 crazy two things are, are blowing my mind right now number one uh, I still can't believe that Muggs is not Latino. Did you at some <laughs> Did you at some point start to, in some ways, identify? No, he's like, honorary, bro. Yeah, like, are you to the point of honorary where it's like, culturally, that must be interesting? Man, I'm just a product of my, my, my environment. Like, I grew up with Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and Italians and Jewish people and, and, um, and Irish and just the Greeks, like, in Queens where I came from. It was everybody. When I went to yep. L.A., it was black, white, and Mexican. That was it. I was like... White boy, white boy. I was like, the fuck is that? <laughs> right. I didn't know what a Mexican was. You know what I'm saying? At the right, time, like, right. We're coming from Queens, too. There wasn't, it didn't happen until later on, like in the late in 80s, New York, Mexicans yeah. started coming here. Yeah. So I was like, where the fuck am I? I'm in East LA where it's 99.9% .9 Mexican all of a sudden when I moved there. There was no, um, no buses and no trains to get around. You was just stuck. Just stuck. And they just called you white boy in the hood. I just get for a minute until I beat their ass. And <laughs> yeah, then they started calling me New York. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, you guys did something that was good as a group. Like, I understand why you did it, and yet I have a huge pet peeve with it. What? I say it was all due respect. I hate the radio version of how I could just kill a man. So do I. Oh, I would. I wish they'd just done the edits on it. Just so give me I. the mute. What's, just the, give, what's the, you know, the hell with it? They changed the lyrics. I, I just fucking there. hate it. They recorded this shit. I was in New York. That was in LA. They recorded the whole shit. And I hated it. When I heard it, I was you like, hate what the it? fuck are you doing? No, because to get that performance we got on the it's record. It's not the same performance. It's, it's slightly whole, different. And they did oh, it all they did the one whole day. Song. They did the whole album, the clean versions in one day. Uh, they, oh, so they, they rushed did it the too. whole song over. Yes. Oh, not just that part. So they did the, the whole second, verse. The second, if you, if you. If you go through I, it, I know what you mean. Now. If you Home's go back and play the radio yeah. version, the second he starts rapping at the beginning, you'll be like, "This isn't the album yeah, version." Yeah, All of them. the performance isn't the exact same. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's okay. It worked out in the long run. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. It's fine. <laughs> now I gotta ask you, like, you guys come out first album's a big deal in rap circles. Like, it's a rap big deal. Mm. But then Black Sunday, yeah, insane in the brain takes you to this whole fucking other place. Did you guys have any idea that Insane in the Brain was going to be this departure that hip-hop people messed with but took you completely somewhere else? I did not. I knew we laid the groundwork. When I could look back, in hindsight, I look back because we started doing um, 
a lot of rock and roll alternative tours. But off, at the time, off the first album, yeah, but we was on the second stage. But already, right, Ice right. T and Ice Cube and certain motherfuckers that had the edge that could have that festival style music, yeah. was, was doing it. So know? they were already fucking with you, even pre Black yeah, Sunday. We, we was on the, the second stage of Lollapalooza, okay, already. You know what I mean? Now it just queued us up for the big stages, right? And the big everything. Right. So once that came out, but when I did. Insane in the brain. I was like, the sound is they they haven't got enough of the sound of the first album yet. So if you listen to it, the breaks is the same breaks I did for Killer Man. Wow. Like, doo, 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 you know, what I'm saying yep. the third verse with the yep. with the fucking circus shit and all that, and the bridges and everything. It's the same song format. <laughs> so we, we did that, and that was some yeah. hood shit. The, the thing was was like the crazy insane got no brains eight nine nine the first swan yeah. gang you know what i mean it was some gang shit that like, motherfuckers did different oh i know so that's what that's what that was right yeah there. The, the, the the lyrics but i made the beat bouncy you know what i mean yeah so it was still like it was still like potholes in my lawn if you slow it down think about it right <laughs> it is potholes in my lawn you know what i'm saying Yo, Sife, that's crazy yeah. if you think about it. That slowed down is Potholes in My it, Lawn. It could be. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Daylight Soul fan, so you know what I'm saying? Like, I love Prince Paul back then, so even when I did the, the, the kicks on um, the kicks on Hand on the Pump, boom, that was fucking gas face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I was just learning. I want to hear the part of, uh, ins- so wait, you're talking about the bridge before the third verse? On the the, the bridge? bridge that when the third verse starts, <laughs> listen to the third verse of Killer Man. It was a, it was a carnival sound, right? Right. Right, here we go. You know what I mean? Oh, shit. I didn't even think about it but that way. Like, we knew about it, but they didn't know about the sound yet. Right, right, right. Sure, like, we about to, you know, go back in. So that, to that me, it wasn't, about, it wasn't the best song in the album, but it was the first single. Did you feel the difference when that song came out, how big it went? I felt when that, well, you felt it. You know what I mean? When that shit hit, you just felt yeah. the energy of the, the, of the, you know, being, just pulling up. Did, like, did, he was like, yo, fuck, all right. God did damn. black radio play it at all, or did it go right to like rock radio? I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I was not even listening to radio at that time. Honest to God, I stopped listening to radio. I was just of course, on. and why would you? Although, except I, I will tell you but this. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I don't know about New York, but I know LA played it. I know all the stations in LA played. New York it. played it. New York played it early. No, but hip hop stations played it early, but I, then it went. It blew up so fast. It wasn't long. This was in the mix show rotation in DC. So this was this was late, uh, night times in DC. This record was playing, not in San Francisco. So I got to ask you about this too. Why do you do the different version of when the shit goes down on the album with that sample that doesn't exist on the real version? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Sife, you. do you know what I'm talking about? I do. That The group that we got the sample from, I think it was, uh, the song's called Deep Gully, but at the Something Blues Band, they said we couldn't do the shit goes down. They won't clear the sample. So right. we changed it to the ship goes down. Yeah. But we right. still said ship, but you know, just yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had to take that little piece out. That's what the lawyers were saying. Take that shit out. Oh, because it. it was more than that. It, the whole song is them. Mm-hmm. That part and the other part. Absolutely. So they were like, okay, oh, got it. So okay, it, was some, it was some sampling shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, whatever. The song's yeah. banging. What you all want me to do? And I know the song's out already, so I ain't tripping. But so whatever we got to do, let's make right, it. Right, right, right. By the way, I like it better without the thing. In a weird way, that sound to me softens it a little bit. Gotcha. And I like how hard it is without the melodic. It, I don't need the melodic part in it because that right. shit just hits so hard. Sife, this album, though, too, in general, has got, I mean, this. This hits from the bottom. It's from the hard Is this son of a preacher, man? It is. Yeah, I grew up with that record, man. My moms would play that shit all the time, you know, around the house and stuff. So, 
later on, I was just like, oh shit, let's try this. Wait, Sife, Sife, this is one of those TikTok moments. <laughs> Did you know that this song is actually Son of a Preacher, man? <laughs> you may remember it from movies like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. What's the what's considered to be the is I wanna get high the biggest weed anthem for the weed heads, or is hits from the bong even bigger? Uh, wow. I know. Good fucking question. <laughs> yeah. Because they're both like iconic weed anthems. I'm going to guess hits from the bong. Yeah. And then, then both of them. I don't even know, man. Both of them motherfuckers got their own thing. One, one, one turns it up. It starts in the beginning. But hits from the bong will pick the whole shit up. It, it got that bang like it's an up-tempo joint. You know what I mean? By the way, I, I hope Muggs hits us with after I found out he's not Mexican, he's, he's Italian. Next minute he goes, but I've never smoked weed, so I don't know. No, I never <laughs> smoked weed. Come on, man. I hate weed. <laughs> You know, it might be Sife, Sife, this, you could argue, this is the, you could argue, in my opinion, this is also the best song on this album. Is it on the bong? No, this. Wait for it, you'll hear it in a second, Sife. Muggs hears it already, I hear it, the people hear it. It's a good one. Woo! Ain't going out like that is... What, what's, so what, is there all your sounds? Wait, you like this album better than the first? Right. I'm telling you, me and him are like probably three years apart. And there's a difference. So I'm like low end theory always. He's Midnight Marauders. Now I'm seeing it again. Yeah. I'm Cypress Hill. You're Black, uh, Sunday. Black Sunday. Gotcha. I was yeah, a little yeah. older. I was I was I was becoming a teenager. So like that difference. You know what yeah. I mean? There's a difference in how you take an album when you're 11 versus 14. Yeah. You know, 100. Yeah, yeah. And like this shit, I was around. You know, I was a, a young teenager when this became a huge thing. And I remember Cypress was one of those groups that started getting the white kids who weren't really down with hip hop to start being curious about hip hop. Of course I found you it know. annoying at the time, Well, that was great, but that, it made you very rich. So I'm that, glad it worked out. That's what run DMC did. That's what the beastie boys did. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what LL did. And that's what, um, I think that was, a, that was a lot of the shit we was inspired by, by those motherfuckers right there. Public enemy, anything Molly Maul did, of course, all that shit. Was but you, by the way, you did it in a way where, you didn't lose any respect from the core hip hop audience. You know what I mean? Nah, nah, because we, uh, we all. You didn't try for we it. We was just making hip hop. Yeah. I didn't think we was going to make a lot of money. I didn't even give a, f I never thought about money. I had a good job working construction, making 300 a week. I was good. You know what I mean? Great. <laughs> and I was like, man, if I sell 100,000 records and I got respect like KRS one, right. I won. You won. And when we came out, done, we, we, we was doing shows with KRS, killing it side by side. I was like, it's all, that's it. Wow. I, I, already, I, I hit the fucking boom. Well, and that's first album you were already there. First album. I'm good. Like I had everything I dreamed about. And we competing with the big motherfuckers, big dogs. Like, boom, we right there banging on everybody. And then you start producing, like, Funk Dubious, right? Like, those beats. Those were the little homies, though. See, Sun was just down with 783. Right. Um, T-Bone was down with Cypress from the block. Yeah. And Ralph M was the homie that was DJing for Kid Frost. So we was like, let's put a group together. Just let's put the homies together. And we, Bieber had a song we didn't use called The Funk Dubious. That's what I was going to ask you. So that's the how, the, that's how the Was it a song together. that you didn't use for it Cypress? Was. From the same beat we used for A to the K. It was a song called The Funk Dubious. Oh, man. So that ended up being them. It was just like, yo, we're here. Oh, let's make, those are the three homies. Let's make yeah. them, they rap and like let's make them a group. It was just on some shit like that. And then what about uh, House of Pain? We didn't grow up with them and know them. I, I was, I, I knew this girl I was dating and I would go over to her house and her, her, her cousin was DJ Lethal's girlfriend. So he would be right there. <laughs> and I was like, is this, I'm not coming over. Is this motherfucker going to be over there again? Yeah. <laughs> Then I go over there and there's Everlast and I go, now I got to deal with this motherfucker. I mean, he was cool and he, I kicked it a few times with him. I was like, I come to the crib and do a song with me. And then we did this song called, um, 
I don't give a fuck. It was whack. And then um, I was like, all right, um, come back over. I got this song. I, it's called, a song called Jump Around. I, I had Son do it, Daddy Freddy, done for a bunch of motherfuckers. But they didn't kill it. So they didn't, they didn't own it. So you, whoa, had, whoa, you, whoa, tried whoa. To get, you tried to do that song with other people? Absolutely. Because I had the hook and the concept already. Cause the I was, hook. I was big on concept and hooks. Right. Once of, you got yeah, that. Yeah, Muggs, you know I mean? we know that. We listen to your music. So I'm saying, like, you're, very good. you're very good at it. <laughs> well, well, one of the things now I've been telling you. I was big on concepts. <laughs> you know, everybody's writing bars now, but people forgot about songwriting. Right. right. You know, writing, come back to songwriting. 100%. Writing, getting the hooks, getting the concept, and add the lyrics. So I had to, I had to join. I had to jump around, done it. Everlast came. He wrote some shit. I was like, that's cool. But that one little two bars, write the whole song like that. Right. I went back in and he added, I came to get down. I came to get down. So Did you ever give the beat oh, he, to be real? I was about to Cypress? ask that. Why not Cypress Hill? Here's what happened. We had just finished Black Sunday. I mean, the first album before Black Sunday. And I played the beat for Be Real and he rhymed on it. Shit was ill as fuck. But I don't think... We worked different back then. You didn't just work like we work now all the time. So be real, just like, man, I don't feel like writing no more. We just finished the first Yeah, Yeah, tired, whatever. No, it was a different... It was so different. there's a world in which, if it goes different, there's a world in which Jump Around is a Cypress Hill record off the next album? Jump Around, Check Yourself, um, Tear This Motherfucker Up by Cube, the whole, all the shit I did in those that right. first year during that. Yeah, all that shit. Okay, so be real was like, I just wrote a whole bunch of oh, shit, shit. albums out. I but you're like, break. no, I still want to make Wait, beats but Cypher, but songs. Really process that. Yeah. Um, Imagine if Black Sunday, the two first singles, yeah. were insane in the brain and jump around. And jump around. <laughs> would have been ugly. It would have been. Yo, it was enough that. No, but jump around is such a classic. But the, the Irish part of it, I think, even made it even more. It made it even more than, than what could have been with Cypress. You know, the ill part about that is Everlast was just Everlast. And I was like, yo, the Everlast thing, bro, you the, um motherfucker seeing you with the slick back hair I got the uh, knack yep. first impressions a motherfucker go yeah. back and rethink this shit and he came back like three days later with Danny Boy he goes yo we got this a group we're gonna call it the House of Pain it's all Irish and what it was is Everlast was sleeping on Danny Boy's couch and Danny Boy was Irish and he had a punk rock group called House of Pain House of Pain yeah I remember that so the whole shit he came back and then I, was, I shopped a deal Flex wanted to sign it at priority 65,000 I was like and special ed was there I was like nah I'm good, 65 G's. And then I'm Monica Lynch from Tommy Boy. Wait, well, I want to sign you. Come talk to me. She was like, this reminds me of my brothers. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, my brothers go to the church and they go to the bar and get drunk and get in fights. Yeah. And then she's giving 250,000, <laughs> signed us. And then we got the same management, the same dude who did our pictures and the same motherfucker that did this Killer Man video, Shady Perez. And did you do, wow, you did the man. whole album? I did like 80%. Yeah. Lethal did the rest. You did, um, did the rest. Yeah. What's the other big song on there? Uh, what's the first song on that album? Shamra, um, the the intro song. Yeah. It's been a long time since <laughs> I listened to this album, which by the way, underrated album. Bro, beats on there is fire. Well, you know, House of Pain, obviously. Fire. But uh, Funk Dubious too, man. The funkiest, the yeah. funkiest, the funkiest. Young son. Fire, boy. man. You're you're thinking of, you're not thinking of Shamrocks and Shenanigans? No. You, th you said literally the first song? Maybe it's not the first song. Put your head out. You think you put your head out? Yeah, I did put your head out. That was the, that was one of the first demos. You remember that shit? Hey, you know what this was? Spread love. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes, yes. That's that shit. Those drums. Yep. Yep. Spread love drums. Did you do Who's the Man or no? I did not. But it sounds like I did. Yeah, they sounds like I did. They was all on my shit. I was like, y'all need to go get your own style, man. Get off my dick. Weirdos. I mean, what do you expect, Bugs? If you put your shit, put them on. Of course, they're gonna try. They didn't know better. I'm not mad at them. How did you feel about this, Bugs? Oh, I love it. 
good. You know, that, that was the day of the remix. So you came out with a banger or something that wasn't. You um, added a remix to give it, extend the life of the song. You know what I mean? And to get it on the mix shows or wherever it wasn't going at the time. So that's yeah, this was probably a cheat code because the song had gotten so big that mix shows were probably kind of done with it because it was so commercial. But it started off in the mixes. It started off on all the mix shows. It started off underground. Then it took off. Then it took off. And then this gave it new life, though, right? It gave it brand new life. And that's what remixes were for back then. They gave songs brand new lives and gave them legs. You know what I mean? Did you deal with Pete at all when he did the remix or is no, just he was, took the acapella? That was, that, was, that was Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy did all that. But did they did they ask you guys for approval? I think they asked House of Pain. I think they asked me. I think I heard okay. it afterwards. But I love the record. Yeah, it fucking came yeah, out. Yeah, dope like, as fuck. Of your outside production, what do you hang your hat on the most? I mean, obviously, Jump Around is is up there. It's done quite well for you. Man. Let's see if Spotify has a DJ Muggs playlist. I like, man, tear this motherfucker for Cube. Um, what me and Rock do? Um, um, the shit I'm on. Oh, me and G-Rap, um... What was the G-Rap one on Soul Assassins too? Um, real? Oh, it's, bro, you did too much music. Yeah, I can't remember. You gotta remember the shit. <laughs> G-Rap one's the shit, though. Oh, shit. Oh, that shit. You don't stop, you keep... Yeah, just, I'm staying over there in Ludlow and Riverton, so I walked by today by the Paul's Boutique spot with the shit, and I yeah, saw He's on the street, the, the street side? And I was like, man, how, how fucking influential, how big were the Beastie Boys, yo? They was the biggest shit in the world. Nobody knows about it no more. It's weird, right? You know what I mean? Well, no, like... We know, but motherfuckers weird. don't know. Yeah, it's... If you're at a certain age, Beastie Boy means everything to you, and the young people, like, don't There's even know it exists. Zero significance. It's really weird, yeah. It even, even happen. Uh, they, the, 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 the lack of of people going back with hip hop is really disturbing to me. What do you mean? Like young kids that don't like, it's at your fingertips. You can pull up Tribe Called Quest, Cypress Hill, De La Soul, BC Boys, like this, but it they you know, seems to be going away. Like I, I, I love the underground right now, but at that you're, time- And you're killing it on the underground. And, and at that time right now, it's like, you had to be so distinctively different. Everybody was so different, so different, different sound, yeah. different look, different style, different flows, and but everybody coexisted and was just ill as fuck. You know what I mean? You couldn't be the same. You couldn't right. look the same, sound the same, just the same. You no. was whack. You was a biter, and then that's what made the shit. And, you, uh, and every time you heard the album, they reinvented the genre. You was like, "What the fuck is yeah. this show?" Yeah. When you heard Poison by G Rapper, and then you know heard Set It Off by this motherfucker, and then you heard fucking. Biz, and then you heard P.E., then you heard Slick Rick, then you heard Tribe. You was like, yo. Yeah, you're right. What the fuck's going on? Well, yeah. With every album, though, Motherfuckers was changed. It was, they, they had the same energy, but the sound was different. Yeah. It wasn't the same record and the same album over no, and over and over. very distinctive. Yes. Distinct. No disrespect. I love hip-hop no matter what. But nowadays you hear a song, you go, which one is this? Which one of these singy rappers is this? Well, that's what's sort of nice about this underground scene that Muggs has been so brilliant in and that I play on my show is that a lot of these guys actually sound different. You know, mm -hmm. your Boldy James sounds different. Gun, Benny, and Conway all sound distinct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even in a group. Yeah, even together. Yeah, uh, they sound know, completely different. Freddie yeah, Gibbs sounds different. Crime Apple's his own guy. Marcy, of course, is, is Marcy. I mean, it's hard to yes. even put Marcy in a yes. league with anyone else because he's, he's sort of the, the godfather of this kind of the whole absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Did you, were you surprised, have you been pleasantly surprised with sort of this run of underground though, that there's so many good artists now who are able to put together a nice, a nice career and kind of benefit from streaming? I love it. I love it. And I think this is something that, a beautiful thing that streaming and like a social media has brought to the game. You know, you see these gentlemen thriving in their forties, 
when Chuck D, when he came out at 27, he was old as fuck. Cause we yeah. was, yo, he was 19. Prodigy was 19. Right. Roz was 19. You know yeah. what I mean? Motherfuckers yeah. was young as fuck. 30, he was, he didn't even think about having a career at 30 back then. Yeah. He thought like, I'm not chilling no yeah. more. But to see this and to see the level of fucking expertise, you know what I mean? And creativism, like us, like it's a beautiful thing right now. And, but we have an outlet. We don't got to go through a label to say, this is the sound we're looking for. We don't got to go through a magazine saying, well, She's a little bit more of a legacy artist. He's older. We're not going to give him an article in a magazine. Yeah. Go direct to these people with seven billion motherfuckers on this planet and tap into our people who dig what dig us. Yeah. So it, it gave this whole thing a life. You know what I mean? And like we make the music we want, how we want, with our middle fingers up, just like we did in the nineties. Right. And and but the difference is he's very rich. Well, yeah. He the difference is he's very well, rich. But also, <laughs> but even for like the middle, the more middle class rapper. In the in the nineties, they might have gotten their advance and made a little money for five seconds, but then they're dropped a year later and it's over. Now, if you just find your little niche, just enough of yep, a niche, yep. you're good. You can have yourself a nice. You may not be as rich as Mugs, but you can have yourself a nice life. Have a good life. You can have a nice life. So, if there's a joint on this Mugs album right now, Soul Assassins Three, Death Valley. Let's hear. Let's hear what Sicilian Gold sounds like, featuring Ghostface Killer and West Side Gun. album the new the new album has baldy jay worthy this track here you got mayhem loren my guy rome streets um CeeLo green is on here scarface and freddie gibbs on a record devin the dude damo genesis uh evidence is on here marcy crime apple you made a lot of dope music with crime apple love crime apple Guys, that, he's my boy. Crime's really fucking cool, yeah, man. Cool as fuck, no, bro. Everybody just wants. You ask, is it hard to get people on your shit? Nah, really, man. Just call yeah. the homies and be like, we're working on some shit. Come through the lab, you know what I mean. But this wasn't. All these songs were just songs. When the homies come through, I just worked. Right. And at the end, I was like, all right, what am I gonna do? I got another fifty songs. I was like, well, let me just figure out a project to put together. And I was actually gonna release a song every six weeks for two years, just to like, you know, release it like that because I understand the 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 the, the Algorithm longevity of music and the way shit is now. It's like, mm -hmm. let me just do it yeah. like this and release the vinyl later on. And Jason Goldwatch came through and I was like, man, I got all these songs. I'm trying to put a project out. I want to put something visually out, but I don't want to do a music video. What can we do for 15 minutes? That's a fucking big ask, homie. So he came up with some ideas. I was like, let's do all the ideas and went up shooting a 34 minute film, which is sick. It's That's the crazy. First, it's and the first psychedelic hip hop film. It's Pink Floyd meets Alejandro Jodorowsky on some hip hop shit. So if you don't know what, what? that is, Google that shit. How are people going to consume this, uh, the movie? Right now, we, we, we taking it city to city um, and showing up. Got a Blu-ray. 
We did um, San Francisco two weeks ago. We did San Diego last week. We're doing Chicago in two weeks. Um, and we've taken like the Grindhouse films of the 70s where they, had, they only had one reel back then because it was expensive. So they would drive the reel city to city and play them on the weekends. You know, the two That's what ones. Grindhouse means? Well, Grindhouse was, was like the, um, <clears throat> there was a lot of the um, horror films yeah, and all the B-movies. Yeah. But they had one reel. That's, and they would they drive would, it around. Drive it city to city. And you see the And the word films. of mouth would just spread and it. Eventually, by the time they took it across yeah. the state. So we taking the city to city. Before you go, we, you're literally going to do that? We've been doing it. We've been Shit. doing it. Just building word of mouth organically, having a good time. That's part of the art piece of the yeah. whole rollouts. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. YouTube. It'll be on Amazon in the and next, people in the go next to these, eight weeks. How oh, do the people know about it? I just hit it on Instagram one time and we did two screenings in Frisco, you know, 155 in each theater. What? So we did 300. We just did 200 in San, San Diego. We had to turn a couple hundred away. So it's oh, free. I want to go I've been, to... I've been letting them in free. It's free. Free. Just to let people experience it here. Absolutely. Mu- and you play the music in the movie? We shot three music videos that we didn't release, but that you could only see them in the music video. I mean, in the movie. But the videos are on TV in the movie. So, oh, so like in, in, the, in, in the trap house, when it's getting robbed, mayhem's on. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then um, Rock Marcy later on in the videos, built, he's a bomb builder. He's building a bomb. And the lights cut out and then the lights come back on. And all of a sudden, I'm watching the video on the, on the computer with the bomb on my hand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then the fucking cops come in to rob me. So it's all, it's all mad psychedelic. So Jason Goldwatch is a fucking mastermind. Wow. Man. What was the uh, craziest era for, for Cypress Hill? Was it, or, and essentially for you, was it in the post Black Sunday era or was it all those years that followed? Like that whole next five, probably, seven years? Probably before the first album when we was all running around wild and broke and just doing whatever we had to do. Like, you know, the late 80s, because the 80s was wild, man, from like 86 to 89, 90. And then um, the album came out. We was just broke, working hard, kids with a dream, man, figuring it out. Then after Black Sunday, that shit took off to another level. I don't think none of us was really ready for it. You don't have to, how to give like some. You know, you 20 years old and here's fucking $10 million and fucking here, go, go, tour, tour, go, go. And we're doing 150 shows. And you stayed, you were always DJing on tour? Absolutely. All that uh, time. Towards the end, I heard. Well, I stopped around. I remember, I remember, I heard this story. I don't remember from where, but I remember Mug saying, bro, I've seen the world four times already. Uh, go ahead. I'm with you. <laughs> well, what I wanted to do is I, I, like, like for me, man, like. I like the unknown and the unexpected and the creativity. Right, and Going right. into the studio, you know, the show, you're doing the same show every night with the same songs and the same yeah, fucking order, doing yeah. the same shit. And this is pre-worldwide cell phones and this is pre-the Euro. Yeah. This is pre-internet, you know, so touring was a little different back yeah, then. Yeah, it was, it was hard, a little man. harder. And um, I just wanted to be in the lab. You know, I was over here, you know, making records and competing with Primo and RZA and yeah. just, I just wanted to make beats and be yep. in the lab and make heaters, you know, so I was just like, Around 2000, I was like, I had my children and I was like, you know what? I'm going to raise my kids. And I had, I had a lot of options, a lot of other things I could do. So yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go on the road no more. And did Lethal go out? Who went out? No, went we sent a bunch of, we sent Fred Reck out. We Fred sent Julio G. Tony Touch went out for some shows. DJ Lord's on the road right now. Mixmaster Mike went out for a few years, like a few people. Hey, I would do it. Here and there. Siphon, and, and, and oh, Latino, it. too. You fit right in. You could you could get down with right that. In, yeah, man. There's never been a Puerto Rican. You, you, you can open up with a comedy show, too. <laughs> yeah, you can do a little comedy routine. Talk some shit. Um, go for some people who don't know the history. Some of the, give me some of the people you've toured with. Because I know Cy- oh, Cypress Hill, I mean, the run of, of sh- the I'm going to love- assume Fuji's because you were on the we, same we, label. We, yeah, we, Fuji's, yeah, we did a bunch of sh- We did the whole um, Smoking Grooves with them. I went to that. So I went to Smoking Grooves. Rage, Rage Against the Machines, first tour they opened up. They opened up for us That's on nice the college tour. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Brought them out with us. We've, we've done shows. Beasties? With, 
Well, yeah, we, we did a whole tour with the Beasties. We we would play with Metallica, Slayer. Then the next night we'd be with Bjork and fucking Tricky and Massive Attack. You know what I mean? So, were you with uh, B, B Real had a spot in Juice, right? No, and I no, made it up. And, um, what who's, movie? Who's the man? Just who's the man? Yeah. Were you in it too? No, I was in. Um, I think we did. Um, uh, what's the one with fuck? What's his name? The comedian. Um, let me think of his name real quick. Tretch was in it too. Another movie. Robert Townsend's movie. Meteor Man. Meteor yeah, Man. Media Man. This shit was dumb. <laughs> Media Man. <laughs> we was all the Media Man, yeah. That was like 91 probably. Now, were you able to move around somewhat easily with Be Real sort of being the front-facing guy who would get the most attention? Were you able to sort of, because you, like you seem like a background kind of guy who's yeah, not trying yeah, to be I was there. never trying to take a picture. If it was up to me, Cypress would have never took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure everyone would have loved that at at Columbia. That that was Columbia didn't like that. That's (laughs) why it was like you gotta take pictures and show your face. Cause I came from liking rock and roll records. I came from liking, you know, like a fucking um the Who, Led Zeppelin, Ozzy Osbourne, Jimmy. And like when you look at Led Zeppelin records, they was never on the cover. Right. And then there was kind of art shit. There was this mystique to them. Like they left things open to your imagination to always wonder who were they. And you heard these folklores, you know, like they worked in this castle one time and they was in they got, they bought Alistair Crawley's house and they had this. And if you do this backwards, like, yeah. like this shit wasn't true, but you was like, yo, your imagination was going crazy. So I always wanted. A you want a mystery. And that's what it was back then. Right. You want a mystery and intrigue. And let me let, leave it up to your imagination. Cause it's endless. Cause once you read every article and you know about us, you want to the next. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that was my thing about it. It's just like, it was that soap opera shit. You give them just enough. Then they come back, keep coming mm. back. They keep fiending. What was Send Dog's presence like in studio for for Cypress Hill? Obviously, we know him for like the memorable ad libs and quick verses and things like that. But what did what did he contribute to the energy of Cypress Hill? Send Dog contributed actually what you just said the energy, especially live and and visually. You know what I mean? Because he was our big homie. He's like three four years older than us. So in the hood, you know that was Send Dog. When we got on the records, man, Beaver was always the best writer in the, in Cypress. He was always the best writer. So, but Sen was the best performer early on. So, mm. you know what I mean. So it was like you, Sen was a better performer. Beaver was a better writer, and, and boom. So it, it like it, it gelled well. There was just something. It was like if you take one ingredient away from the group, the group wasn't the group. Didn't have its success, right? So it was like everybody played their role in the group. But it was always Beaver writing. Beaver wrote most of the shit. Sen wrote like you know his solo songs in the first record, but B-Roll wrote all the records. Even if Sendog, right, he would write Sendog's parts? By the second album, B-Roll wrote all Sendog's parts. So by that point, Sendog was like just, he, he was like, this guy's the guy. That, that's what. Yeah, he knew, like they would come together sometimes, like and write together when they wrote dope shit together. But for the most part, B-Roll was just fast and he just wrote. You know, the, the working flow was different back then. You did a record every two years, you were killing it. Like, yeah. That was big back then. You yeah. know, it wasn't until like, Pac, Pac started working faster than 50 in the mixtape game. Like, yeah. that's when the whole game changed. And people in the studios, you started seeing the change, you yeah. know, like writing a song like in fucking 20 minutes. Right. Well, if you got a song done in a day that you didn't have to rework on, you were killing it. Killing it, yeah. You guys have another album anniversary coming up, don't you? Don't or is it right now? Is it, I think it's four. Yeah, I think that was last a couple of days ago. I saw it on Twitter. Four. I think four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how much shit you guys, you guys have. Yo, unfortunately, I got to bounce. All right. You know what, Syph? Keep, keep, keep it going. We're going we're gonna to keep it going. We're going to do a little little radio shot. We'll do a little thing for real late. Um, thank you for everything. Nothing but love and respect, thank my brother. F- Good to see you. Personally, but musically, inspiration-wise, everything you did for us, the hip-hop world, the community, it means, it means everything, man. That shit. Same, bro. Ooh. I miss those tunnel days, homie. The tunnel days, man. <laughs> he was in the tunnel. The scrambling days. Yeah. 
And shout out to all the white weddings I've DJed where Jump Around is by far the biggest song. Well, no, you must really played. hit that siphon on, on, on your, like, when you're doing the fucking Burt Kreischer shows and shit in front of 20,000 people. Jump Around is it. Is, is it is it is it a fail safe record? For sure. So this is you put Jump Around on the list of no matter what the event is. Break glass in case of emergency. You got it. Like, all right, let's set this Jump thing around off. Jump Around is shit. I don't know what to, this is not working, this is not working. Let's just go right to it. And I played a P-Rock one and everyone throws ice at me. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this jazzy shit? All right, Saif, later. So what were you doing in those in-between years? Like, would you still pop out and do things with Cypress Hill? Yeah, I would do Cypress. I'd, and then for two years, I had I, had, I worked with this South African group called Die Antwoord. You know, I'm a big-ass group from over there. I worked with them for two years and produced their albums. And um, I was doing just different shit. I would, do, I would still do hip-hop shit, like one record a year. You know, we did Jizza, Planet oh, yeah. Asia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jizza, Planet Asia, Ill Bill, like yep. all those records. But like I said, the workflow was a little different back then. You know, a record a year was doing your thing, you know what I mean? But I would always make beats and do different kind of shit and explore. I put an electronic album out for fun. I was listening to electronic and I was like, how do they do this shit? Like this kind of production. So I went in and did a bunch of songs, put that out and just, just to do some different shit to clean my palate. Then I came back and um, I linked up with May probably in like 15. Mayhem Loren. Yeah, me and yep. Mayhem. And then 17, we dropped our first album. Gems of the Equinox. Yeah, 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 I forgot. So even that And period- that's when I really linked with rock, you know, like again, it's like 16, we did that song and then we dropped our shit in 18. Right, and May's connected to rock. Everything's kind of right. connected, connected from there. How did you discover a young alchemist? So, so originally how he was brought to me, my manager said, yo, I got this, that you want to make a lot of money. And I said, what, what do you got up your sleeve, motherfucker? He's like, oh, I got this little rap group, two little white boys from Beverly Hills. And I was like, man, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> and um, so they brought, it, they, they brought it to Be Real, and Be Real worked with them, and they did the hooligan shit. They, they had a bunch be, of Be Real was like, all right, I'm done. I see what this could be. Yeah, a couple of dudes, I think T-Ray and Lethal and a few other young cats produced them. Well, shouts to T-Ray. But when man. I met Al, he was like 14. I was like, this little motherfucker's cool as fuck, but he's smart, but he reminds me of me. He's hungry. But I was like, he just needs the exposure to be around this shit and just like, you know, just a little bit of fucking... Tutelage. And, um, you know, he's, he's one of them motherfuckers. Whatever he wanted to do, he was going to be smart as fuck. He was going to be successful. So, you know, him just having, you know, being able to tap in and being inside with one of the biggest groups in the world and traveling with us and being in the studio and being on tour, he just sat back and took notes. You know what I mean? And um, I introduced him to the premiere on the Smoking Grooves and... You know, I introduced him to the infamous mob and how he actually met Prodigy. That's how he met Prodigy? Yeah. Wow, bro. And then, you know, I hired Paul Rosenberg as my manager for Cyprus in 2020, you know, and brought Paul into the thing. That's how he met, get the connection with Paul and Eminem, you know what I'm saying? So. Wow, 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 wow. hold on, hold on. I got to stop and process this. So even with all the amazing things that you're sort of at the center of, you introduced Al and Prodigy. That alone yeah, is a I gift. Brought, I brought Al in. I introduced him to the infamous mob, but Prodigy came into the session. I didn't say here's Oh, Prodigy, oh, got you know it, got it, got so it. I was like, yo, these are the little homies. I'm going, I'm doing a record with them. So go into the lab with them, do some shit with them. And then that's how he met him. Prodigy came in and they did Thug Music, which was supposed to be for Soul Assassins too. And Al hit me one day. He was like, yo, P wants this for the album. Yo, this would be good for my career. Can I keep this one? I was like, yeah, yeah, keep that motherfucker. Boom. Go get it. Then he just linked with the mob. You know what I mean? Wow. And that, and of course that was such a defining part of, of Al's career 
And I mean, Alan Prodigy are one of, they're, they're really one of the great tandems of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you really think about it, the two of those, those guys have such a chemistry with each other. Amazing. Amazing. They both locked in. Al works like an animal. I don't think I've ever seen a human work like Al to this day. He's in the studio at 530 in the morning. I mean, work till eight or nine, take a half an hour nap, get up, work, go have lunch, come back later, take a three hour nap, work all day, 24 hours. You don't sleep, man. You got to be immensely proud of, uh, of what Al has become. Huh? Amazing, bro. It's the greatest thing ever. He's, he really is one of the greats. Yeah. The greats of all time. Absolutely. Shouts to Alan. Shout out Alchemist. Yo, shout out to Muggs for coming through, man. We have a lot more we can do over time. There's more conversations to be Absolutely, had. Absolutely, brother. And I don't, I don't imagine that you plan on stopping with the music. Oh, never. That's what we do. So yeah, I mean, you don't have any... Man, look, I seen this picture of Picasso about 15 years ago and he was in his prime in the 70s in a loft in Italy with about 25 paintings on the wall. And I was like, oh, that's what we're going to do. You know what I mean, this is art. We just do this shit. It's fun. We just, we got to get it out. So. And by the way, and you don't know when you're going to be the best version of yourself. Nah, I'm not even in my prime yet. I'm that's what I'm saying. Figuring it out still, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And to be able to just do this shit just because I feel like doing it, I don't got to do it to pay the rent or for money and trying to get famous or nothing. I'm just trying to do what I feel like doing. That's a great, bro. That's when the I dream. Like doing it. You know what I mean? So. We're living the dream over here, baby. You know what I mean? Dreams do come true, motherfuckers. Don't quit, bitch-ass motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we out.